3: Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wagner. We're, of course, watching the markets as we always do. NASDAQ going for its first ever close above 11,000. We do begin with that story. New at noon today, Dan Loeb's third point, taking new positions, we're learning, in Disney, Amazon, a couple of other well-known names as well. I've got the Investment Committee here with me to discuss and debate all of that. And joining me for the hour today, Josh Brown, Jim Labenthal, Pete Najarian, Brenda Vangelo is the CIO of Sandhill. Global Advisors. Jethro Townsend's back. It's good to see him today as well of Add-In Capital. He's the CIO. All right, let's get to the news that we're discussing right now. And this is new information that Dan Loeb has taken these new positions in the second quarter, according to his quarterly letter in Disney, Amazon, Alibaba, JD.com. But guys, we're going to focus on Disney first and foremost. Uh, Josh, we can discuss it with you first. I just got off the phone uh, with Dan Loeb, who told me the following uh, about why they initiated this position. I can go to some things that are already in the letter. He told me there is no close second to Disney when it comes to an entertainment company due to their intellectual property and their motion pictures. He says they have a slate of what he calls tentpole releases. We obviously know the titles that they have, whether it's Star Wars or some of the others, what he considers big, giant tentpole releases, their distribution network. Disney Plus, et cetera. Uh, he, he said as well some of the commentary, the narrative that's out there about how Disney Plus is being thought of in the context with Netflix. He said they don't have to compete with Netflix. It's not a winner-take-all environment. They just have to take some market share, a market that he certainly thinks is easily split between those two and even some other players. And he also, which was interesting as well, likened Disney to Microsoft seven or eight years ago. You have, um, you know, a a sort of time old business and then you get into new markets and you're able in some respects to reinvent yourself, much as Microsoft has done. We know how well that stock has done lately under Satya Nadella. He sees a similar scenario uh, for shares of Disney. Um, Josh, let me get your take on this and then I'll quote some more from the letter. But that's directly from my conversation with Dan Loeb a few moments ago. What do
1: you think about the Disney buy? I agree, with, I agree with all of those comments. And one of the things I've been saying about Disney recently is I really don't think there's anyone left to sell. The, theoretically, if you were a seller of Disney, you've had five months to say they're never going to recover from this pandemic. I want out. The price has been fairly stable after that first uh, sell-off and, and then recovery. Uh, Disney's been trading in a fairly tight range. So there's been ample time for people that thought the pandemic Uh, was going to present some existential challenge to the company to get out. They've already done that. Who's left to sell if they're still in it? So I think the Disney shareholder base is now largely made up of people that agree with everything Dan Loeb had to say and see Disney Plus as game-changing for the company, which I think it is as well. Um, And I basically said, I'm going to grit my teeth until the reopening happens, whether it's Q4 of this year, Q1 of next year, the parks will come back. People will want to see new movies again. ESPN will have new sports to air. And in the meantime, look at this fabulous asset they've built up, direct-to-consumer, does not require uh, the cable companies carrying their channel. And, yes, it's world-class. It belongs on the same um, stage as, as Netflix, and it will be that size in time. So uh, I agree with all those comments, and I think Dan will end up doing well with Disney.
3: Pete, it's interesting, to, you know, to Josh's point about sort of gritting your teeth a little bit and having to wait a little bit. Dan makes it clear, uh, Dan Loeb does in their letter, their quarterly letter, uh, that they initiated their position when shares traded down on fears of closures of theme parks and movie theaters due to the coronavirus. Uh, he said a slew of sell-side analysts had recently downgraded the stock. Uh, he says, we believe that they failed to grasp that the pandemic also provided Disney with an important opportunity, that being to accelerate their plan to bring their content directly to consumers. Um, we've seen them do that already. We have saw what they did with yeah. Hamilton. We saw what they uh, have now said about Mulan and what they're likely to say about other titles as well. Um, but what do you make? I, I think it's so interesting what he says about this competitive landscape of Disney and Netflix and then also how he views a company like Disney relative to where Microsoft was um, close to a decade ago.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting comparison. But going just back for a moment here, he talked about when they were selling the stock off. And that was in the early days when we actually saw the stock get all the way into the hundreds. And I still think when I look at Disney right now, Scott, I, I'll, I'll say the same thing. Under 110, that's where you want to buy it. Obviously, the stock got all the way underneath 100 at one point. So, it got sold off for all of the uh, quote-unquote right reasons but people were forgetting a lot of the other side of this, which is what happens on the other side of a vaccine? What happens on the rest of this? Bob Iger set up this company in an amazing way. And what he did was he provided the studios. He also provided the TV and all of the content that we talk about right now. And that really is the trigger. And that's the one difference that I see is when I look back at Microsoft before Satya Nadella was able to take over, that was a company in disarray. They didn't have a direction. The stock was just sitting there and languishing in the thirties. It had a hard time really moving anywhere the needle didn't seem to ever want to move and the reality was they had a lot of disappointments when they were doing a lot of what they were trying to do to compete with apple and all the rest so i think the reality is it's a little bit of a different story i see satya nadella taking over a company and saying you know what we're a cloud company i come from the cloud we're a cloud company and we're going to take on all comers and we're going to be very aggressive on the competition that's exactly what they have done i don't know in terms of disney though looking at disney Yes, they've got so many different levers that they can pull. And even with the stumbles, we all know at some point in time, and I've been saying this, we've been buying time. We've been buying time through the Fed. We've been buying it through all these different packages that Congress is is, is putting out there all for the right reasons, by the way, but buying time and it's buying time for the Disney's of the world when they can open up the theme parks and people f- feel comfortable flying to go to Disney and all the rest of it. So it makes a lot of sense. I think the stock uh, it, it is trading right around at the, at the right level right now. I think you've got to have openings and you've got to have more flow. For this stock to actually be a $145 stock again, or a $150 stock again, but in the meantime, what a great company that Bob Iger, I think, set up for Bob Chapman. So I, I think it's outstanding.
3: Bob Chapik, just to just to correct you, just so we're getting the na- just so we're getting uh, the yeah. names yeah. right. Um, Brenda, the you own The two Bobs, yes. <laughs> I, I got you. I knew where you were going. I just want to make sure our, our yeah. viewers know and, and, and we're obviously accurate. Yeah. Uh, Brenda, you own it too. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the streaming, um, Dan, Dan Loeb calls it the, the Disney's biggest market opportunity ever. Uh, Potentially 500 billion dollars of revenue spread across a growing market of 750 million current broadband homes globally, ex China.
4: Yeah, this is a name we've owned for a long time. We continue to think it's a great long-term holding. But I agree that this is a game changer on the streaming side, and Disney has really. risen to the occasion, if you will, even though it's a terrible occasion for them, this current market, for a lot of their business. But I'd say they really are taking advantage of the opportunity to really accelerate the growth of the streaming business. Their announcement of the stars' uh, entry into the international markets also is, is huge, in our view, and really creates an interesting revenue stream from them, more of a recurring revenue stream. So if you want to say that that's similar to Microsoft, I, I get that analogy a little bit. But I do think that this company is setting itself up to be stronger on the other side when things really do start to improve. When we get people back at the parks, we think there will be pent-up demand for that once it is really – the doors are open and we have a viable treatment or vaccine. So you get a little bit of both worlds, I think, right now with Disney. You're getting this really interesting opportunity for growth in the direct-to-consumer business. Uh, and and you also have uh, the optionality where things open up and the market, then and, and the stock likely is to react positively to that.
3: Jethro, as I said, it's good to have you back. Um, you used to own the stock. And I'd, I'd love your opinion on this news now uh, in the context of everything that, that we've s- spoken about. I know you, you know, you've you focused on technology a bunch and I, I'm sure you've thought about Netflix in the past. I don't remember if you own Netflix or not, but but Dan Loeb in this letter goes further uh, in saying, in, in less than nine months, Disney Plus attained 60 million global subscribers, a milestone that took Netflix over seven years to meet. So, how do you think about how Mr. Loeb is thinking about Disney uh, relative to some other players? Uh, yes, I mean, uh, thanks for the
2: question, Josh. We have, we've been we've been in and out, out of Disney. I mean, I, we've become more constructive on the name, certainly uh, as it sold off. The, the evaluation has certainly become more uh, become more attractive. Uh, we do really like the subscriber numbers uh, that they 're putting up with Disney plus. Uh, we think that there 's certainly some a tailwind there, so that 's certainly a positive uh, for disney um, they 're getting creative in terms of um, you know Milan coming to streaming. We think that 's going to help with subscriber additions as well um, so for the longer term yeah we we're, we may constructive we 're in the constructive camp on on Disney here
3: yeah, um, you know the other news and and frankly on on Josh any other day or Jim Lementhal, I get your point of view too i I apologize. We're trying to go through the letter as we speak and and, and think about sort of the broader um, implications for all this, but what's your take? You own Disney too.
5: Yeah, and I don't want to just repeat what everybody said, but I'll agree with it. I'll add one point, because I listened to the call as a Disney shareholder. They have $23 billion of cash on the balance sheet. Brenda used the word optionality. Now, yes, they got a lot of debt, too, but none of it's near-term. I want to know, and I wonder, what are they going to do with that cash? Because they could do some very interesting acquisitions and make themselves even more formidable.
3: You know, what, what I was going to say, Jimmy, th- thank you for that. We're watching Disney shares get a little bit of a boost uh, off of this news. On any other day, we would sit here and we, we would marvel over, or at least we would, you know, our interest would be piqued by the, the Amazon side of, of this. But for Disney, I suppose, for, for obvious reasons, it's such a battleground name, given where we are in, in the pandemic. I've got Leslie Picker. Uh, Leslie's ready, yeah? Leslie, you with me? Leslie Picker's joining yeah. me now. Hey, Scott, uh, how's it going? Good. It's good to see you. I know you know Third Point uh, as well as anybody, uh, too. Just what do you make of this news and, and some of the other stocks we're learning about here?
6: so i think dan loeb is one of these hedge fund managers who has been kind of lamenting the ability for value investors to do their jobs over the last few years or so uh and this seems like in march there was really an opportunity for him to get into what he calls according to the letter quality companies or compounders these are companies with good free cash flow predictable businesses uh but he's been you know pretty much avoiding these types of companies uh, because they've been, you know, the valuations have been in the stratosphere over the last few years. So he saw March as an ideal entry point for these. And he was able to ride uh, a lot of them to the upside throughout the quarter.
3: What's really I'm looking at the Amazon um, commentary, Leslie, in the the note. Mm -hmm. And and he, like so many others over the years, have have looked at at Amazon from a distance, if you will, as an obvious admirer Mm -hmm. of the business itself, but couldn't necessarily get their arms as an investor around the valuation, and then finally just stopped looking at it and went and bought it. Um, I've, I've had that instance, of course, with members of our own investment committee. He says, historically, Amazon was a company we admired that traded outside our valuation range. But in March, they initiated. Mm -hmm. This is not a small position, by the way. We initiated a five percent position. And although shares were flat on the year, we believe they were significantly undervalued due to the acceleration of the adoption of e-commerce and cloud computing during the pandemic. Just put you inside the mindset of uh, someone who's been an incredibly great investor uh, over the last decade, at least.
6: Yeah, I think the Amazon story is similar with all of his new positions. It's clear that he really took a step back end of February, early March, looked at how this pandemic was reshaping the economy and said, what types of what types of stocks can I belong uh, that can really. Benefit from you know this complete transformation, this move toward digital. Amazon's a great example of that because, as he says in the letter, it's benefiting both from the e-commerce side as well as the adoption uh, toward the cloud as more people are working from home. Um, obviously, Disney. He looked at that and said, "Okay, this is a great way for the company to really accelerate its direct-to-consumer offering." And he said that he really liked the idea of what they were doing with Mulan. Uh, he also took stakes in some Chinese e-commerce companies alibaba and jd.com he said that those those stocks really took a pullback um over jitter surrounding china's relationship with hong kong uh but he sees them you know poised to benefit from some of this uh acceleration toward e-commerce so it's clear that he's really uh thinking about some of these macro issues and and what will be interesting to see and it's important for us to pay attention to is as we start to come to some sort of resolution over the next few years uh do these uh trends stay with us. Um, and it seems like at least for the for the short term, Dan Lowe believes that they will.
3: Yeah. Josh, I, I'd love your take on on, you know, look, we could wax poetic about Amazon and why the stock has done so well in the times of the pandemic. Um, I, I don't know that that adds much to that conversation. But Alibaba and J.D. and and I don't I can't remember. Did, you used to own J.D. R- remind me. And, and just what do you think of this, the, the trade to begin with or the investment?
1: So we have exposure to Chinese tech through a broader emerging markets sleeve, which we're overweight, the, the global um, market cap weighting of, of EM. So we've been bullish for a while. Um, I, I, I've been in and out of individual Chinese stocks. I've also traded the um, KWEB, uh, which is a, an ETF of Chinese Internet giants. So all of those companies are involved in it. Um, broadly speaking, the rally in Asian technology stocks is the only thing on Earth that rivals the rally in US technology stocks. People don't even realize it's not just China. SoftBank is up like 120% from the March lows. SoftBank, the company that six months ago looked like the world's worst investor um, with, with the WeWork debacle. So you've had massive rallies in JD and Alibaba, and I could list 50 other Asian technology stocks if we had time. Um, so I think what's happening is global. And just back to Amazon and this, this idea of like, just stop looking at the valuation, You know, people get caught in these very myopic boxes where they say, well, uh, the P.E. ratio is too rich or the price to book ratio. Um, The P.E. ratio on Amazon in 2015 was a thousand. was a thousand times earnings at the end of the year. So if you were smart enough to realize that that's not an applicable uh, way to think about valuation and find another way to try to understand what the, the what was really going on with the company. You got involved with it. So us Amazon shareholders who have been in the stock for a while have never concerned ourselves with P.E. or book value. They are not relevant in today's world. The thing that drives stocks is network effects and brand and and consumer growth and market share. And Amazon checks every box outside of price to book. So I think it's nice to see um, people start to recognize that, even if it's years later. Yeah. Pete,
3: you do own J.D.?
0: Yeah, I own JD. That was one of those names, Scott. Just last week, we talked about that for unusual option activity, actually. And this is a stock that's hit multiple times. But it's a lot of the different Chinese names, to Josh's point, that have been hitting it. It's Huya, it's Baba, it's JD. I mean, you go through this long, long list. So it's to Josh's point, it's not just the American tech companies or the American e-commerce companies or whatever category you want to go cloud. It's the Chinese as well. And they have really been reacting very, very well. we've seen more and more of this and it seems like it's picked up especially over the last month or so but yeah we're seeing this a lot and jd it was over 65 earlier today it did pull back of course the markets have been a little bit wavering around for most of the day but i think the reality is that a lot of these names just still have plenty of room to the upside
3: yeah um let's broaden it out leslie thank you so much Uh, that's leslie picker uh joining our conversation here and and a, a great segue really from what we're talking about now to the overall market I don't know if you just noticed, Nasdaq's back over 11,000. It's going for its first ever close uh, above that level. Jethro, what do you think about, you know, when you look at where tech is, has come to, uh, it's pretty remarkable, you know, powered by Amazon and Apple. Is this just going to keep going?
2: I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's been quite the liquidity-fueled uh, boom and, and, and prices overall in the market, specifically uh, technology stocks. Uh, certainly fueled by, you know, the stimulus, the stimulus that we've been getting and record amounts, uh, low interest rates, which, you know, according to Economics 101, we do a DCF valuate, valuation tends to inflate asset prices. I mean, we, at these levels, I mean, it's, you know, these are certainly historical times when we look at things in a historical context where the valuations are certainly quite high. Uh, and at these levels, uh, I think you've got you to be more selective. Uh, we become a little bit more cautious here. Um, you know, certainly things could, could stay lofted up for some time, just given the Fed's given a backstop to the markets. Uh, but we think that we're, we're probably going to be facing a increasing period of, of volatility uh, due to some seasonality factors as well as uh, the political environment. So we're, we're increasingly
3: more cautious at these levels. Yeah. Jim, you know, I, I've been dying to ask you about, <clears throat> excuse me, about Roku. Uh, we're looking at some of these stocks yeah. in our universe, really, that that have had earnings. Um, you're not in Roku now, but the stock is pulled back. So it had me thinking the natural question as to whether you were ready to buy it back.
5: <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. You've got to decide whether you're going to trade Roku or invest in it. Um, this is not, from a trading perspective, this isn't where we were in 2019 and 2018, where the stock triples over nine months. Yeah, there was a little run recently, but nothing like what we'd seen in the past. So there isn't enough momentum for me to trade it, Scott. Um, and on an investment point of view, you run into the obvious problem. It's got an $18.5 billion market cap, a billion and a half of sales growing rapidly. But I don't know how to value that. Now, people are going to say, yeah, but, Jimmy, somebody's going to take it over. You know, Amazon's going to buy it. Maybe that happens, but at what price? I think that that's already priced in. So I can't invest in it, and I don't see the momentum to trade it either. So I'm staying away for now.
3: Josh, how do you see Square? They, they had a huge beat. Price targets up today to 210. At Truist, price target to 180. At Canaccord, 181.
1: At Rosenblatt and 170 at Credit Suisse. Yeah, this this stock's going higher. The cash app um, is now an ecosystem unto itself, and it's undeniable all the benefits you get when you own an ecosystem in the technology world, whether it's fintech or any other type. So they have that going on. Um, the the uh, Silicon Valley guys like to call it a flywheel where you no longer need effort, it just sustains itself. So that's going to keep going. Obviously, it benefits alongside so many other companies we talk about in terms of the pull forward of adoption rates. It's probably three years ahead of what it would be because of the pandemic. Um, so this is a name that I'll just have to say I missed and, and, and let it go. I have other investments in this space. I wish I was in the stock, but I'm not. You
3: know, I also wanted to address kind of the issue it it certainly pertains to what we're talking about, about what happens when you're one of these high flying stocks, whether it's some of the names that we mentioned now or a name on my list like Fastly, which you may remember Mike Francesa mentioning last week when when we spoke with him, a high flying name that sort of doesn't doesn't live up to the hype, if you will, doesn't meet the expectations, perhaps that are in the market. You can pull up uh, those shares. And I'm wondering if there's a warning sign here, guys, for some of these other names, You know, Jethro, when you when you look at this, the stock's up 300 percent over the past uh, three months. And that's before today. And Fastly is pulling back hard. You made uh, the stocks down 20 percent, just about. You made a new buy in a name Cloudflare, which competes directly with this. You can tell me about that in in a second. But just this notion of as the bar continues to get higher and higher, the more difficult it becomes for some of these companies to live up to that hype, if you will.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that certainly is a risk, which is something I certainly alluded to earlier, just given the liftoff that we've seen in stocks. Uh, you've got to think about taking some, some of the chips off the table and some of these names that have done well. I mean, certainly with regards to Fastly, it's, it's a very high growth company that sports a very high multiple as well. So I think you have to look at, you know, some of these names that are, you know, high growth that are also gear, geared to some, some pretty powerful secular themes, um, but you have to have some patience and, and, and be prepared to kind of nibble at these names. Uh, as they sell off, it comes to kind of more, more attractive levels. Uh, you know, there's been, you know there's, there's been things written in terms of uh, where we are with regards to the yield curve, uh, steepening, and the value versus growth argument. I um, mean, clearly, I mean, growth has had a significant you know, outperformance relative to value, and the spreads are now at you know, historic uh, levels, which has sort of been talked about before. Um, you, know, there are, you know, and again, within tech, there's always going to be names uh, that are geared to some of these powerful things that are going to present some opportunities during, during these sell-offs. Uh, and certainly in the case of Fastly, it's probably a sell-off that was long overdue. Um, but you know, look, look to kind of be more constructive uh, at, at cheaper valuations. Tell,
3: tell me about this new buy, as I mentioned, uh, of Cloudflare. Yeah, so again, um, in terms of some of
2: these names that are geared to some of these powerful secular themes, uh, we've been accumulating Cloudflare. Uh, we were buying it you know, in the 20s and in, in early 30s into in, in Q1 and Q2. Um, it has high exposure to some of the secular tailwinds. Think about cloud security uh, internet content delivery and firewall protection. Uh, the company does report tonight. So there, you know, there's going to be, you know, some high volatility there. If, you know, if there's volatility, some volatility to the downside, we probably look to, you know, nib- nibble at the stocks more
3: live ramp holdings, which I don't think we've ever frankly talked about on this program. It's another new one on your list. Tell me about that. Yeah. LiveRamp holdings is, is an enterprise SaaS company that offers one of the best customer data
2: management platforms for, for commercial marketing campaigns. Uh, it has a significant addressable market Uh, the company's again been benefiting from this secular wave of you know think about outcome-based marketing uh, and advertising and being measurable in terms of roi Uh, the company is also a third-party customer data provider uh, and a lot of the customer's data is is anonymous which makes it an attractive alternative um, for some for some of the partners like where where it doesn't compete
3: yeah you know this brings me also josh i want to get through this before we before we take a break Looking towards Uber uh, after the bell, you know, one of these, you know, one, unicorns. Uh, one time that you know has had some issues, obviously, relative to the to pandemic. And you own it. How do you think about
1: Uber going into the print? So to me, Uber is the same situation as Disney. It's obviously not as seasoned a company, and uh, not anywhere near uh, as powerful, and, and it certainly doesn't have twenty-six billion in cash. Um, but it's not as big a market cap. So Uber has this part of the business similar to Disney Plus, which is the food delivery business that absolutely accelerated. Um, and it became very clear that that is now going to become a utility uh, in our economy. But then, like Disney, it's got this other, whole other business, the main part of the business. For Disney, it's parks and ESPN. And for Uber, it's ride share, uh, uh, ride hailing. And that's not coming back uh, anytime soon. And But I think when you look at the share price... Nobody expects it to like if you were going to sell Uber because you thought they might have an issue with ride uh, ride hailing during the pandemic. You've had five months to do that. So the shareholder base clearly is in this for the recovery. Very similar to the situation with Disney. We know it's not getting better today. We know the second quarter was a disaster. There's almost nothing Uber can say that would make us think it was more of a disaster. That business definitely fell off a cliff. And the food delivery business definitely got a huge assist, and we're all aware of it. So I'm looking at price action more than I'm listening to people's opinions. And price action tells me this stock probably bottomed uh, in the second quarter, and I've been adding to it. I I don't know that tonight's earnings report will be an upside catalyst, but I think a year from now, two years from now, Uber is going to be crushing it. And the moves that they've made during the pandemic are setting up the foundation for that, again, investors, not traders, investors who are in this stock have decided to grit their teeth and get through this period until we're back to our lives. Yeah,
3: uh, we'll see what the uh, we'll see what happens with the print. We'll see what happens with the trade um, after that. Uh, again, just recapping our top story uh, today. It's Dan Loeb's third point in the second quarter, initiating new positions, one of those being Disney. We've seen the stock uh, have a bit of a rise during our program as we've discussed that. Again, I did speak with Mr. Loeb just shortly before we came on the air in the note of his uh, second quarter letter. You can see Disney shares are up there by 1%. He calls streaming Disney's biggest market opportunity ever, telling me he sees it as a Microsoft of, say, seven or eight years ago. We'll have much more on that throughout our program. Coming up next, though, Jethro's got a new short idea. Plus, we're going to get to the rest of the traders' latest moves. We'll do that when we're back in two minutes. NASDAQ hanging out. Above 11K. We're back after this.
6: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
3: All right, welcome back. You saw their stocks were mixed, but the Nasdaq is still above 11,000. Let's go to Sue Herrera now, who has the headlines for us. Hi, Sue. Hello,
7: Scott. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. New York's Attorney General Letitia James has filed suit to put the National Rifle Association out of business. The suit alleges misuse of funds and corruption. The Attorney General of Washington, D.C. has filed a similar suit. James alleges NRA Chief Wayne LaPierre spent millions on travel consultants and personal trips. A total of four current and former NRA executives are accused of wrongdoing.
8: Wayne LaPierre, Woody Phillips, Joshua Powell and John Frazier instituted a culture of self-dealing, mismanagement and negligent oversight at the NRA that was illegal,
7: oppressive and fraudulent. The National Weather Service says this year's hurricane season will be one of the most active in its 22 years of making forecasts. Between 19 and 25 named storms are now expected, with between three and six of those turning into major hurricanes. Of course they will, because it's 2020, the year that just keeps on giving. You are up to date, Scott.
3: My sentiments exactly. I was going to say the same thing to you. I can't wait for 2021, but obviously everybody has the same exact response. Absolutely. When you do a story like that.
7: I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it just keeps on coming.
3: I mean, it's par for the course these days. Totally. Given 2020. All right, Sue, thank you. You got it, All guys. right, that's Sue Herrera. All right, let's do this new short idea um, that Jethro has for us today. Tell us about it.
2: Uh, yeah, just on the short, I, I just want to say that, you know, first of all, it is instructive to point out that we're short this company in an overall portfolio context. Uh, where We have a long positions on the other side in software and cloud where we think the prospects are better. Uh, this approach has certainly allowed our strategy to post positive returns. Every, every during periods where the market fell 30 plus percent this year uh, and our strategies were, were in the green. Uh, just on to the short, it's, uh, it's New Relic. Uh, New Relic, they had disappointing earnings this week. Uh, it's a cloud-based uh, uh, software company uh, that's being impacted by increasing competition. Um, think about uh, in the companies, uh, Datadog and Dynatrace have been taking market share. Um, it's also, you know, Losing uh, the share loss, um, along with declining customer usage, uh, and they're bringing out a new strategy offering freemians in terms of you know, trying to scale the business, which we think is going to take a couple of quarters for that to work itself out. So that's a name that we would certainly avoid uh, or, or short in this market.
3: Do, do you have you mentioned your strategy? Do, do you have a specific long um, opposite this name? Uh, yeah, so there, there's several names that we have, you know, on the cloud side. Uh, again, in
2: terms of if you look at you know the software space uh, and Cloudflare that I talked about, uh, there's several names that we own, uh, and sort of the more of the hardware-centric cloud infrastructure uh, space dealing with data demand and some of the names I've talked about last week. So, so there's there's a few names that we own on the other side um, in spaces that we like. You know, again, we do like uh, that 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 space in terms of you know cloud software infrastructure. Um, so we, we are overall net long. Uh, but this is a name that, that we would avoid and we'd be short. Well, you're long data dog, though, right?
3: Uh, we have a small position in, in Datadog. Uh, we don't own Dynatrace. I got you. All right. As yep. I said, it's good seeing you again. Thank you for being here. Yeah, great seeing you. And uh, we'll Thanks. see you down the road sometime soon, I, I am sure. Let's uh, thank talk, you. Let's talk about some of the other moves we have uh, from our gang today. Pete,
0: you bought more Merck. I did. I love this name, Scott. I love the, the, the balance sheet, the cash generation. I think Ken Frazier's done an amazing job as the CEO here, and they've got a great pipeline. So that combination makes me uh, continue to be excited, and I continue to see even more bullish on the option side. Rather than playing that, I already have the stock. I decided to add to that stock because I, th- I do think there's plenty of more upside before the end of the year.
3: Also, some calls that you've been buying uh, and some interesting names. Slack. Lift, yeah, workhorse, yep, Taiwan yep. semi.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted a little bit more exposure um, in the semiconductors. I have plenty, but I wanted to add a little bit more, and Taiwan semi was one of those names that that jumped out. It very similar to AMD. It's been on a great run to the upside. I know, uh, obviously, Slack is a sc- uh, stock that Josh knows all too well. So uh, we saw some huge option buying in there, very very short term, but nonetheless, I liked what I saw there. I listened to Josh a little bit here and there about some of these various ideas that he's got. And this is one of those names that stood out for me. So I decided to grab these calls. I don't own the stock. I just own the calls in that particular name as well.
3: Okay, I mean, Taiwan Semi has been has been a big winner in the in the chip area too. Steve Weiss, uh, a big win there. And uh, you got calls there, too. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Yep.
3: Josh, he called you out there. Taking some of your uh, taking some of your advice in a positive way. That was a a positive way. Totally. (laughs) I'm making it a positive. I'm not trying to start a problem. (laughs) Come on. Why so sensitive?
1: It's (laughs) it's love you, Pete. It's no secret that there are rumors all over the place about uh, companies like Slack Mm. that are facing a a big competitor like Microsoft. And that there might be potential suitors who could incorporate Slack into their, their business. So like people bring up Salesforce, I've heard Amazon, I've heard like every company rumored. I don't buy stocks because I think they're gonna get taken over. And I don't think that Slack is going to get taken over. But I know that a lot of other people do think that. So it doesn't surprise me to see some short term speculation in near dated um, call options. I think that probably happens all the time. Um, But either way, anytime Pete and I agree on something, I always feel better about it.
3: Jim, you sold American (laughs) Airlines puts. Tell me about that, please.
1: Yeah,
5: first got to put it into context. This was a hedge for my Alaska Airlines uh, position, which is long, and I just didn't want Alaska to keep getting dragged down by the woes at American. Now, what's changed, though, and I got out of this uh, yesterday, is that the government is clearly, it sounds like, clearly going to come back in with more aid to the airlines, which keeps a zombie company like American going. Now, I don't, I don't have any malice towards American, but they've got a very big problem. Uh, their debt level is too high. Uh, the, the equity holders are not going to see any profits for the next several years. And frankly, I, they're going to be shrinking. I just don't see that this is a good equity long. But I've got to get out of the way when the government is coming in with billions of dollars to prop it up. All
3: right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We still have Pete's latest unusual activity to do. And up next, though. We'll do that uh, but first take a look at the uh, S&P sectors. Uh, there's the S&P. We'll call it flat. Good split there. You can always watch or listen to us live on the go as well. A reminder there too on the CNBC app half times back after this.
1: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline. Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast.
4: Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block?
1: Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
3: Take a look at shares of Disney high of the day. That stock uh, almost 130 bucks now, one and two thirds percent higher. Third points, Dan Loeb taking a new position in that stock in the second quarter, saying streaming is Disney's biggest market opportunity ever. And that stock is getting a nice bump off of that. Pete, meantime, is tracking unusual options activity for us. You have a couple things you're looking at. Pete, talk to me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start with Silver, Scott. Now, this is really interesting. The SLV. This is a, this is a really interesting trade, and the reason I say that is if you go back to just July 24th, just July 24th, so not that long ago, we had a buyer of 18,000 of the September calls, 10,000 August calls, 19,000 November calls, 45,000 November calls, 33,000 November. You get the idea. 94,000 September calls. So this has been active. When I say active, it actually goes all the way back to April because. Back in April, they were actually going out and they were buying the August 21 calls. Well, those profited very well. They rolled out of those today, and today they're buying 100,000, yes, 100,000 of the January 25 calls. Those are going to go for about 455. So it's very interesting because these are in-the-money calls, which means somebody wants something that's going to move much closer to the stock itself. So... I love seeing these kind of trades. They've been buying, buying, buying SLV and GLD all the way back to early April. You could see a lot of huge activity there. It's been right. When somebody's that right, I want to ride along. I own some SLV calls a little bit further out. I didn't go to these Januaries, but I'm already positioned because of all that call buying we've already seen up to this point. Now, second, MGM. Now we talk about a lot of these casino stocks all the time, and so the good, bad, and the ugly. But right now they're looking for something pretty good because before the end of the month, but by August, they want to be—they're buying the stock about 1750 at the time, but they're buying the August 18 calls, and they bought a couple thousand of those, Scott, and they're actually rolling those as well, and they're selling the August 19 and a half calls. So what does this all mean? A nice big buyer looking for this stock to make a nice move over the next couple of weeks. I bought those calls. I'll be in those for a couple of weeks as well.
3: Big bump for that uh, stock today, 7%. Pete, yep. thank you for that. Up next, we answer your yep. questions and ask halftime. You can still reach your traders, too. Go to CNBC.com slash halftime or tweet us. So We're back right after this. All right, let's answer some of your questions now. Josh, coming to you first from Holly in California. What are your thoughts on Newmont Corporation? Like to get into gold, she says.
1: Newmont Newmont is like um, one of the blue chips of this market. It's it's probably the highest quality name in the group. I own own G-O-L-D rather than Newmont for like a large cap uh, global gold miner that's considered a a blue chip. Um, But I think both are good. And actually, if you look at their performance year to date, neck and neck they're with one within one or two percent of each other um for a little bit more sauce uh i'm in aem agnico eagle mines which i think is a faster mover but they're all going to work at the same time so i don't think it's that important which one you buy okay uh jimmy to you
3: farmer jim from bob in massachusetts Jim, I followed you into Viacom CBS a few months back as a dividend play, but I'm skeptical about the business model with Netflix, Apple, Amazon creating their own content and streaming services making cable a thing of the past. Is Viacom CBS a dinosaur or should I remain long?
5: Uh, okay, Bob. Well, hopefully today's results give you a little bit of comfort to stick with it. Um, the CBS All Access streaming uh, uh, platform has 16 million subscribers. That's up 74% year over date growing very rapidly well ahead plan but here's kind of the secret sauce a year and a half ago they bought pluto free tv uh, streaming service for 340 million now that 340 million gives them 26 million subscribers that they can advertise the cbs all access subscription service to that's a great business model stick with this it's growing right now
3: all right pharma jim thank you for that pete to you from roger in denver what about cryoport is it still a buy
5: I think it is,
0: Scott. It's a very unique company. A lot of people don't know this name, but it's a billion dollar company that uh, it's logistics. It's shipping all sorts of different uh, biomedical things across the country. And it's very, very important. I like the company. I met the CEO. I thought the company sounded like a very interesting company that I wanted to look a little bit deeper into. I have. And so I own the stock. It does not have earnings yet, Scott, so I don't know when that's going to come around. But I do like the stock.
3: Okay, Brenda, do you uh, from Gary in Wisconsin, buy, sell, hold on P&G, Procter & Gamble.
4: This is a really defensive company, and we think there is room in a diversified allocation portfolio for some defensive companies, Um, and this is a very high-quality one. Organic growth was 6% during the last quarter, which is almost off the charts for a company of this size, Um, and they're also in the last year of a five-year plan to reduce overall costs, so we think that will likely contribute to margin improvement uh, over the next year, so we continue to like this company.
3: All right, this is a good question, Josh, uh, from Sri in Los Angeles. Is it safe to enter Amazon for the long term after the recent pullback? Um, You know, the stock is stocks trading, you know, pretty elevated levels here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out which recent pullback. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Maybe it's down like two or three (laughs) dollars. I guess I, I wouldn't if I weren't. Listen, 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 if I weren't already in the stock, I would not say this is an optimal time to be adding to Amazon. Amazon always gives you a chance every year. They announce a a big quarter's worth of expenses or they, they make a big acquisition or something. He does not care what Wall Street analysts think. So he doesn't operate under a PR umbrella. He operates under what's best for the long term. And when he does that, sometimes stock market gets spooked. Those are the moments that you want to think about entering Amazon with a new position. Not today.
3: Jimmy, back to you. Raymond in Florida. What are your thoughts on Cisco? Is it still a buy?
1: Yeah,
5: it is. But I think you got to pair this with your higher growth company. So if you own the FANG stock, Cisco could be something to give you a little bit of a, a barbell for a longer term grower. Why is it going to grow long term? It's not so much the hardware. It's the security and software systems in a, in a work from home connected environment. They're getting some traction, getting some sales growth there. That's what I'm looking for over the long term.
3: All right, Pete from Tyler in New York. What about Canada Goose? Undervalued? Time to get in now?
5: Yeah. I think it's probably a little bit undervalued now
0: Scott it's definitely gotten pressed down it has not had that big snapback like so many other companies that we talk about each and every day but they're starting to rotate around from where they were just basically coats to accessories to shoes and all kinds of other areas. I do think this this is a good time to start looking at it because it hasn't had the bounce yet. And I do think we'll see a bounce when we get closer towards the late fall and into the winter.
3: All right, Brenda, lastly to you, Martina in Florida. iShares Russell 2000 ETF, the IWM, going higher in the next six months. Or should I sell it?
4: Yeah, so small caps had a nice move recently, but it's still lagging U.S. large cap by about 10 percent for this year-to-date period. And if we look beneath the surface, it's, it's kind of telling when you look at the sector composition because – small cap is really not dominated like technology, like you would think. It's really dominated by healthcare, care, industrials and financials. So in our view, if we do get more of a move based on improving uh, economic outlook, potentially news about a vaccine, you could see a bigger move in the small cap universe uh, because of that composition as a result. So we would stick with it, that holding right here.
3: All right. Good stuff coming up. The dollar index hitting a two year low. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that next move
0: next. Miss the show? Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast. Market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Halftime Pod today.
3: back on the Halftime Report. Time now for the futures outlook. The U.S. dollar is now in positive territory after touching a two year low earlier today. Well, it's dipped negative, as you can see. It's been weighed down by escalating coronavirus cases, uh, putting the timeline for economic recovery into question. For more on how the futures market is weighing the next move, let's bring in Scott Nations of Nations Indexes. Uh, we've been talking about the dollar a lot um, as it relates to commodities and the trades that you guys have given us lately as well. Is it where do you see it heading? Is the trend going to continue lower?
8: Well, Scott, as you pointed out, lowest level in two years, you got to go back to April of 2018 to find a lower level for the dollar index. But the rest of the world says we're in a recovery. I mean, copper prices are back to January levels. Crude oil has come a long way back. And if you look at iron ore, which may be the best way to look at China, uh, it's at its highest level in a year and way higher than it was, say, five years ago. So if the rest of the world is in a recovery, then rates here are going to come back down. That's going to be great for the dollar. If the Fed says anything positive, then that's going to be great for the dollar. And short speculative positions in the dollar are near their all-time highs. So the way to play this, Scott, is to actually go swim against the tide a little bit, get long. I'd like to get long the September contract of the dollar index. 92.75, just about where it's trading right now. My stop to the downside would be pretty stopped because, we're, again, we're swimming against the tide, 92.45. My target to the upside, once we're long, would be 93.75. So at those levels, if we get those levels, we'd be risking $300 to make a 1000 But really, the Fed is what's going on because they have just crushed rates. And if they have anything positive to say, it's really going to help the dollar.
3: Yeah. All right. Scotty, thank you. We'll see you soon. Scott Nation's coming up. Final Trades are straight ahead. All right. Welcome back. We're showing you shares of Disney and now uh, pretty much the highs of the day there. We're just over one hundred thirty dollars a share for the first time since February on news this hour that third points. Dan Loeb has taken a new position in the second quarter in Disney, along with Amazon, Alibaba and J.D. Pete, I'll go to you first for your final trade as we you know, continue to reflect on this news we're learning uh, and an awfully well-known investor and a really good one at that. Taking a new position in Disney and very high on that company's prospects, especially as it relates to that streaming opportunity, which he calls the biggest ever for that company.
0: Right. And that's obviously the focus that everybody was looking at. And that was the interpretation. And that's why the stock went where it was. The interesting thing was on Monday, Scott, they were buying a call spread that was about five dollars out of the money at the time. All that really means is somebody was speculating that the stock actually could get up towards one twenty eight. Here we are. Now we're at 130. Mm. So what I liked uh, and why I'm using Disney as my final trade is they're buying next week's 132 strike calls. So, uh, you know what? You can't fight them. You got to join them. And it looks like it's going higher.
3: Yeah, appreciate that. Brenda, quickly from you, please. Yep.
4: If you're looking to diversify away from technology, Honeywell is a great high quality industrial company with a diverse revenue stream.
5: Pharma, Jim. Alaska Airlines doesn't need the government support, but it will benefit from it.
3: OK, that stock uh, up just slightly. Josh,
1: lastly to you. Uh, Store capital earnings are out. They are performing very well. Now collecting 85 percent of rents up from 65 in April. I'm a buyer. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening
3: to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC.